Welcome to Queensway Pentecostal Church, leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope you're blessed and inspired by today's message. Good morning and welcome to Queensway Pentecostal Church. For anyone who hasn't met me, my name is Pastor Katie and I'm the youth and events pastor here at Queensway. I've been looking forward to sharing with you this morning, but before I do, I want to take this moment to honor and appreciate our senior pastor, Pastor Jason, and our board members for leading through this global pandemic. There is no um, manual or guidebook to tell you how to lead through a crisis, and yet our team has led with excellence, with patience, and they've spent so much time in their own relationships with God to be encouraged by Him and to just find leadership, uh, find will and understanding to lead through a global pandemic. So between now and next Sunday, go ahead and take the opportunity to write them an encouraging note, a thank you letter, anything to let them know that they are appreciated and honored through this time. Um, We just appreciate them so much. Thank you for leading through uh, a global pandemic with such excellence. So let's jump right into our message this morning. We are on week three of our Blessed Are Those sermon series in Matthew 5, and today we get to look at Blessed Are the Meek, for they will inherit the earth. Just a quick recap, Jesus is walking through the area of Galilee and his disciples are following him. A crowd is gathering and as Jesus sees the crowd, he calls his disciples to them and begins to preach. And this is the beginning of his long sermon about blessing. He gives instructions to the people that he's speaking to. And he starts with, blessed are those. And this blessed means a long-lasting happiness. It's an internal sense of peace, a state of well-being that we have as a natural reward for responding to Jesus's teaching. This isn't momentary happiness where you, you know, get something good and and it's exciting for a second. This is long-lasting joy. So this morning, let's focus on blessed are the meek. What does it mean to be meek? If I was to use another word to describe it, what would it be? The Google definition, a quick Google search of someone who is meek means quiet or gentle, which is not bad, easily imposed upon or submissive to opinion or suggestion. Um, In this context or any other context, it's not exactly a complimentary thing to be considered uh, meek, but in the context of a believer's relationship with God, it actually becomes the goal because a biblical definition of meekness is to be gentle and humble. It's to be submissive to the will of God. Someone who has a soft heart before the Lord, who is trusting in God's direction, who goes where God tells them to, who does what God tells them to because they know and trust God that he has their good in mind. So they feel comfortable surrendering their control. It's rooted in a deep trust of the Lord and that allows you to live freely in a relationship that is marinated in trust and surrender and grace. The opposite of meekness is your own control. Asserting your own control over a situation, over a person. But a meek believer trusts God. They do not assert themselves and their own will, but they surrender to the will of God and they let go of their own control to the Father. 
if you want to know what a good example of control or surrendering your control might look like, think about how you manage the Sabbath. It's part of the Ten Commandments that says, remember the Sabbath. And yet sometimes we can say things like, oh, I don't have time or I have so much to do. And we take control over our lives and the things that we have to get done. And there's good things around that because you have to be a good steward of your time and and God gives you so much opportunity to lead in your own life, but he asks us to have a surrender to him. He asks us to have a day of rest and we can demonstrate, we can kind of measure where we are in meekness when it comes to surrendering our control if we look at the Sabbath and how we treat it. ESV study Bible notes say that meekness towards God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. In the Old Testament, the meek are those who wholly rely on God rather than their own strength to defend against injustice. People who we respect in the Old Testament, like David and Abraham, they would be considered meek. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 that says, Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. That is meekness. That is a definition of meekness in a verse. You know, we sing about meekness at, at Christmas time, a little baby Jesus, meek and mild. But we would be mildly and wildly mistaken if we were to understand a meekness as weakness. Because in fact, it's quite the opposite. It is having the strength and deciding to be gentle in order to benefit someone else. A perfect imagery that I can think of is, is this, think of the biggest man that you can think of, the most an over-muscled person, maybe a, a linebacker in a football team or Pastor Jason. And you think of this big, strong person fighting, play fighting, play wrestling with a toddler. I don't care how scrappy that kid is, the big, strong person is going to win. But if you think of play fighting with a child, you think of this big, strong person holding back their strength so that they can benefit the other person, that they can have fun and laugh and not dominate and body slam small children, right? We think of that as meekness. We can think of that as meekness because it's holding back your own will, your own strength to benefit somebody else. It takes strength, internal strength, maturity, and a level of self-control that is only made possible through the power of the Holy Spirit in order to benefit the other person. Through my understanding and research of meekness, I've defined it like this. Meekness is to surrender your own will and control to God for the benefit of another. We can see the power of meekness throughout the gospel message. Jesus had ultimate power as creator God, He had the authority in heaven and on earth, according to Matthew 28, and yet he humbled himself to humanity, becoming human. From all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God to an infant human. God of heaven and earth, maker of heaven and earth, humbles himself in surrender to the will of God, to human form, so that he could benefit 
humanity itself through the death on the cross, conquering death so that people would have just the choice, the option to respond to his salvation offer. That's amazing. Jesus has all power and authority and ability to enforce people to do his will, but he's a good God and he will never do that because he is a God of love and patience. Jesus accomplished more victory being meek than force or control ever will. As an expression of his love to the Father, he surrendered his own ways. He gave up his rights to be right, to do what felt good to him in the moment in order to benefit others with eternity at stake. I think that we can learn a lot from that as believers. To surrender our control and our will to God to help benefit others for eternity. As believers, we follow in the example of Christ. So what does it practically look like to be operating in meekness on a day-to-day basis, other than not destroying small children with a body slam? Let me first say that our greatest responsibility as believers is to love God and to love others. We've already touched on meekness and what it looks like in relationship to God. It's that surrender of control, that complete, uncomplicated trust to listen to his instructions and to know that he's on our side. He'll work it all out for our good. But the second part of that order is to love others. And there's a reason that there's an order to, that's been given to us by our king, our life boss, our savior. It's because it's hard It is hard sometimes to love others to the degree that we are called to love others, especially when they disagree, when we disagree with someone. But how we disagree matters. Being meek in a relationship with someone else is about helping others discover Jesus' character and his love through you in order to benefit them. Practicing meekness with others looks like surrendering the need to be right in an argument or otherwise. It's surrendering our control. It's being silent or slow to respond or responding with a soft answer. It's remaining calm when others get heated. It is patiently enduring evil or sin to model love and grace. It's surrendering the right to be your own defender because God is your defender. It's surrendering the right to take revenge because God is our avenger. Showing love when it hasn't been earned. It means listening before speaking, shouting, or typing. It means valuing people and relationship over ideas or concepts. Social media right now is a prime example of this. It is Lots of people sharing their opinions and sharing them passionately, shouting them loudly, and then shouting at other people for having a different opinion, and everybody's shouting, and there's, you know, lots of novel Facebook posts about expressing outrage, and Taylor Swift wrote a song about it. Should we express ourselves, agreeing or disagreeing? Absolutely. What are you expressing? The life-giving grace of a saved life that Jesus died for? Or maybe something else. Does it have an eternal significance? 
And if it does, are you modeling Jesus's character and John 3.16 style love in your response? Every single person right now has been given a platform on social media to be heard. So how are we using it? Here's my problem with meekness. It doesn't feel like a win. If I'm in an argument, you know, maybe you've had these conversations with people and you're just so frustrated and there's something brewing inside you that's real nasty and, and you're frustrated and you just wish you could communicate calmly, but active listening, having patience, showing love to people, letting go of your right to defend or fight or be right doesn't feel like a win. If you're competitive, you get me because you want to know that if you're right, you want everyone else to know you're right. But remember that meek people surrender to the will of God and not to man. 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25 say that the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponent with gentleness. Not frustration, not the need to be right, not the need to, to be in control, not with anger, but with gentleness. And God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth. Christ's followers surrender their right to control. They surrender the right to defend themselves angrily. They, defend, they, they surrender their, uh, their right to fight or be right so that they can benefit the other person, modeling the love and grace and acceptance that... Jesus offers each and every one of us. Jesus is treating you with the same love and grace as he's treating other people with. And it's our privilege to model that. Romans 12.10 says that we love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Does that mean that we need to be silent all the time and never defend ourselves? No, but there is a way to respond with love and compassion and grace instead of reacting with frustration and anger and the need to be right. It does mean that we need to respond differently than the rest of the world because we follow a God who is different than the rest of the world. Being meek is to surrender your own will and control to God for the benefit of another how many times do we see Jesus doing this in the Gospels? He treats people better than they deserve, and he's patient with them, even when their ideas or their theology or their lifestyle is all out of whack. The women at the well, Zacchaeus, the woman caught in adultery, most of his interactions with Peter and with me. God gave up his right to give me the penalty I deserve as a sinner, choosing to benefit me instead. So much so that he redefined justice in the new covenant, fully surrendering to the will of God. So anxious about it that in the garden of Gethsemane, he sweat blood. He silently endured false accusations that sent him to the cross, all to fulfill a greater purpose, a will that was not his, but God's. He journeyed with people. He had compassion with people. He got messy in the real life, real darkness of life. And because of that, his light shines all the more powerfully. Again, Jesus accomplished 
more victory through meekness than control or force ever will. If we capture and live out just an inkling, just a glimpse of that, the gospel will take ground in this generation. And if we're able to reflect the meekness of Christ, we receive the reward. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 5. Being meek seems really hard. It seems like a lot of self-control. And when I first read this, I'm thinking, oh, okay, blessed are the meek who inherit the earth. The earth? The thing that's been broken since the fall? Like, it sounds to me, at first it sounded to me like getting an open, broken Christmas present. But when I looked into it further, I realized that inheriting the earth is a temporal promise that they will be content They will be satisfied with what they have in this life. They will be joyful and at peace in this world, having a natural fulfillment of life. Another promise or or way to look at earth is a reference to Old Testament Canaan in the promised land that the evidence and manifestation of God's favor resting on them. To capture this, Paul lives out this. He says, I have learned to be content Whatever the circumstances, I know that I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That is a perfect capture of meekness played out in Paul's life. The reward of meekness, that we receive a satisfaction, this this fulfillment in life. Contentment, peace, and joy. These are great motivators of life. People spend their whole life pursuing fulfillment or pursuing happiness. And Jesus comes along and redefines what it is to obtain those things, to be content and peaceful and joyous, is to become meek in our relationship with God and others, to surrender our control to God and others with a fierce determination, no matter the cost. We all love a good reward. This motivates us. Rewards motivate us. If you get me a coffee, I am motivated. But when it comes to living a happy, stress-free, floating on a lake in a pineapple floaty with my iced coffee style, blessed life, what wouldn't you do? for that. The thinking in the crowds that Jesus was speaking to wasn't much different than what the world thinks today of happiness. When you think of happiness, you might think of a full bank account, that you're powerful and respected and successful, that you can eat and drink whatever you want and do what, feel, what makes you feel good in the moment. You have all of the toys, the fancy cars, fancy house, fancy family, fancy bedazzled tiger in your front yard. Everyone wants the result of a blessed life. But the way to get there is often missed because we try to do it in the way that the world does it. The way that the world pursues happiness. Matthew Henry is a commentator and he called pursuing happiness in this way, chasing shadows. It will never be attained the way that you hope it would be. 
Jesus comes to correct this fundamental error and to offer a new way of thinking about how to obtain a blessed life. And it's so countercultural. Instead of attaining and gaining, that you surrender your will to God, you surrender and trust God. It's so backwards in a Jesus-esque style way that it just might work. In fact, Jesus says that it will be a natural result of the week. A natural consequence for the weak, that happy are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. We are invited to learn from and to share in this peacefulness with God. Matthew eleven twenty nine uses gentleness as meekness in this context. It says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle or meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. As much as meekness seems like a hard self-control battle, it seems tough to do, the reward of being blessed and being content with our life is such a beautiful reward. And the beauty of it is that we don't have to do it alone. The Holy Spirit helps us to become more and more meek. The result of time spent with him is the fruit of the Spirit, And when it comes to practically living out meekness on a day-to-day basis, we need the Holy Spirit to give us the strength, to give us the love and joy, peace, patience, especially patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control to surrender our will and control to God so that other people can benefit from the Christ-likeness that is within us. In doing this, we can spread and demonstrate the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit to the world around us, and the gospel will take ground in this generation. So I challenge you this week to think of a conversation that you might have had or that you are about to have. Think of something that you've, that's provoked you or social media posts or whatever it might be that has had you struggling with meekness. And I encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to give you the strength and patience, the love and joy and the peace to be meek in these moments. I want to pray for you to have the strength and the reliance on the Holy Spirit to operate in meekness from here on out. Jesus, thank you for helping us. Being meek is to surrender our ability, our control, and our will over to yours because your will is higher than ours. And Lord, we trust you to take control, to have your way. Lord, help us to be meek so that others would benefit from knowing you through us. Lord, thank you. Would you give us strength? Would you give us endurance? Would you give us a total reliance on you so that we would be able to further the gospel in this generation? Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for everyone who's here online watching today. We pray that you would just minister to them right now. We thank you for your presence. We pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Queensway. Have a great Sunday. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information on who we are, visit our website at qpcespanola.com.